You're listening to Good on the Ground. Good on the Ground. Good on the Ground. Good on the Ground. You're listening to Good on the Ground from the Story Exchange, featuring women entrepreneurs making an impact in a world that needs fixing. What was happening was that the bones in my spine were actually pinching the nerves to my arms. I'm Colleen DeBase. And I'm Sue Williams. Imagine for a second that you have a successful career that you have spent years building that you truly enjoy when it is suddenly, unexpectedly, taken from you. One night I was doing a cesarean section that was quite challenging, and all of a sudden I felt a searing pain go down my back. That's Dr. Laura Staschel, and today, today, we are going to share her incredible story about getting knocked down, I was very active and everything stopped. But then getting back up. And doing something that truly has changed lives. And saved lives. In nearly 30 developing countries around the world. We're bringing a reliable, sustainable source of electricity packaged in a small suitcase. It's called the Solar Suitcase. In this podcast, we'll talk to this former OBGYN about the global issue of maternal mortality. And hear how she came to find herself tackling the problem head on. Stick around. Around the world, 300,000 women are dying every year from complications of pregnancy and childbirth. They are delivering in conditions that would be unimaginable to most of us. We want to share a clip from the field of a baby who's just been born. I think this was recorded in Nigeria. But it could be Sierra Leone or Nepal or almost any poor country in the world. This baby is one of the lucky ones. The delivery has been successful and the lights in the clinic are still on. But even as Laura talks, the entire room suddenly becomes pitch dark as they lose power. Listen closely. There you go. You're getting all wrapped up. So this baby is about five minutes old. Yeah, welcome to the world, little one. And there's no more light. What just happened is unfortunately typical in many maternity wards in developing nations, where power is intermittent. Imagine for a moment what it would be like to be a hospital without electricity. It means that midwives were trying to perform life-saving care using candlelight or kerosene lanterns. It meant that doctors were rushing to do C-sections during daytime hours when they could use the ambient light of windows because they didn't know if they would have power through the night to actually conduct a C-section. In some cases, cell phones are the only sources of light. And midwives actually hold the cell phones between their teeth so they can keep their hands free. One midwife told me a story that she was in a health center where there was not even a candle. She was doing a difficult delivery, a breech delivery, where the baby's coming buttocks first. She couldn't see what she's doing. So she asked her assistant to take a match and put a flame to the calendar on the wall. As it burned, she finished the delivery by the glow of that burning calendar. Wow. The stories that I've heard have been astounding to me. But let's back up here for a second and explain how Laura, who was much more used to state-of-the-art medical facilities in the United States, came to be in Africa. So I entered medical school in 1981 and finished in 1985. Laura did her residency at the University of California, San Francisco. So then my first job after that was to work in a large public hospital doing reproductive health services. Then she got invited to join a progressive group of midwives, doctors, and nurses. 
who had come together to create a very holistic practice that was in a large Victorian building not far from here. Laura loved it. It was really right up my alley about being very patient-centered, actually family-centered. We would spend hours and hours with people in labor, and I did that for a number of years. When we spoke to Laura, I got the feeling she would have happily done this work for the rest of her life. I think that was her plan. But fate intervened. I felt a searing pain go down my back. I had been having some low back pain for a while. She had an MRI. And it said that I had degenerating discs in the spine of my back. And they said my back looked like one of a 70-year-old woman, and I was only 40. And that's when everything in Laura's world completely changed. Basically, I had this incredibly busy life with waiting lists of patients to see me and doing deliveries through the night. And then... And everything stopped. The doctors told her... You shouldn't go back until you are able to go for a week without having any pain. And that week... You must have been devastated. And that week never came. So I continued to have pain, but I was doing physical therapy, acupuncture massage, trying to see whether or not I could regain full functioning. After about a year, Laura started to get better. But delivering babies was out of the question. Soon the, the doctors told me you should stop doing medicine altogether. This is where a lesser person might have stayed on the couch. I think that's what I would have done. Me too, probably. But not Laura. I enrolled in graduate school in public health at the University of California, Berkeley. And I entered a program for maternal and child health care. She decided to go back to school. That allowed her to... Move my mindset from being about helping individuals in a clinic to thinking about what are the issues that are facing women, first in the United States, but then globally, what are the issues? A Berkeley research project brought her to northern Nigeria in 2008. Here's a clip from the PBS NewsHour. Nigeria has one of the highest maternal mortality rates in the world. Tens of thousands of women die there each year while giving birth. I was told not to study a lot before I went. I was told, just go there, you're already a doctor, and just sit and observe and see what you can see. And I spent 10 to 14 hours a day just watching care in a labor and delivery room. What she saw shocked her. One particular night remains seared in Laura's memory. Midwives were trying to save a pregnant woman who had eclampsia, a condition where high blood pressure causes seizures. And this woman had already lost blood flow to her lungs. She was rattling with each breath. Her kidneys were no longer functioning. Laura sat in the corner of the room, in the pitch darkness, wondering why. Why am I bearing witness? Why am I here right now? And it occurred to me that these women are are basically dying in silence, that nobody's telling their story. And that maybe the reason that I was there was because I do have access to resources and I could tell their story. Laura carried the memory of that terrible night home with her. We'll tell you what she decided to do next after this brief break. The Story Exchange is a nonprofit media company that provides inspiration and information for women entrepreneurs. If you like what you're hearing, check out our podcast featuring Celeste Mergens of Days for Girls, whose social enterprise provides reusable sanitary pads so girls can attend school. Stigma, shame, lack of access to education, just a few of the prices women pay because we haven't been able to talk about something we're ashamed to say. 
It's episode 30, all about those periods. We've been sharing the story of Laura Staschel, who lost the ability to work as an OBGYN, but found a new calling. A world away from the clean, well-equipped, and well-lit hospitals of San Francisco. My husband, who had always been a real advocate for solar power, said, Laura, when you get home from Nigeria, let's discuss how to help the hospital. Again, here is where fate sort of steps right in. Laura's husband, Hal Aronson, a guy she randomly met through an online dating service back in 1999. It was complete chemistry from the moment we met. Hal happens to be an environmental sociologist with an interest in solar energy. So we're in his workshop right now. So this is where he would tinker? This is where he would, this space is where he would... Yeah, this is where he does a lot of his experiments and designing things. With my husband's help, we designed a solar electric system targeting four parts of the hospital. Targeting a blood bank refrigerator, which was a solar-powered blood bank refrigerator, the labor and delivery room, the maternity ward, and the operating theater. This was a giant, ambitious project that required a huge amount of money. So Laura wrote up a proposal outlining her plan. And entered a competition. At UC Berkeley, 11 days after I came back from Nigeria, that was looking at technology solutions for social good. It's an annual contest called Big Ideas at Berkeley. Here's a promo for it. First prize was about $12,000. But you're not just a student. You're a visionary an entrepreneur, a designer, an innovator, a connector. I was just so sure that we would have to win this because we had to bring solar power to the hospital. She didn't win. We got honorable mention, which came with a prize of $1,000. And I should have been excited, but I still have a photo from just the time I'm looking at the award thinking, how am I going to do the hospital with only $1,000? Here's where fate yet again steps in. And I called up the head of the hospital, Dr. Mwazu. And told him the bad news. And he said, don't worry, Laura, you planted a seed, and from that seed a great tree will grow. That night, one of the judges called Laura. And told her he was impressed with the idea and wondered, How much money do you need? She immediately doubled the amount the competition was for. How how much did you tell him you needed? $25,000. Terrific. And within three weeks, he had found funding from the Blum Center for Developing Economies at UC Berkeley and we were on our way. So here's where our story takes one more interesting turn. That's right. So Hal designed a small pre-wired kit that I could pack in my suitcase and basically take back with me as a demonstration kit to show the doctors, here's what we're thinking. These are the kind of lights we're thinking about. We're going to bring walkie-talkies. What do you think? Size was an issue. And so he had to make it small enough that I could smuggle it through customs in Nigeria. And that's how we started out making a suitcase-sized system. And then, much to Laura's surprise, when she unpacked the demonstration kit... And the doctors not only appreciated it, they said, can you leave this here? And I said, no, 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 this isn't what we're leaving you. We're going to be bringing in a much larger solar electric system. And they said, you don't understand. This could help us save lives right now. She left the kit behind. And today, nearly a decade later, what was once a demonstration kit has become We Care Solar's bright yellow signature suitcase. It comes with lights designed to be good enough to do surgeries. 
They also come with a series of phone chargers so that emergency communication is available. This is a solar panel that fits inside the solar suitcase. In addition, we include a fetal monitor. It has everything that's needed by midwives and doctors to be able to perform life-saving care around the clock. Laura works with partners on the ground to install the system and train hospital workers on how to use and repair it. This red means uh, positive. Positive. And yeah. the black? And the black means negative. And what about the white? The white one could be negative, negative no, too. It's all negative, yeah. right. It's provided critical lighting for deliveries in more than 3,500 health centers around the world. And just to give you an example of how important the solar suitcase is to healthcare workers, here's audio from a Facebook video we have after Hal and Laura present the system to a community in Uganda. Hal is holding the solar panel up in the air while all around him, nurses and staff are dancing and singing and laughing. I've had the luxury of being able to see the transformation that happens between seeing a health center in darkness and seeing what happens in light. It is my honor to present CNN hero, Dr. Laura Stachel. That's actress Mariska Hargitay introducing Laura at the 2013 CNN Heroes Ceremony. Countless lives have been saved because she got up and brought a little light to where it's been dark for far too long. Laura has won numerous awards for her work, including a major grant from the MacArthur Foundation, which she used to hire an engineer and manufacture the suitcases at a factory near San Francisco. You are going to put the... 12 volt, two, yeah, five. So I those are table. no, but I mean they're going to be going here oh, yeah, before yeah. they go out, these right? These are not audited yet, so these will be audited before they go out. Right now, we're funded by a combination of family foundations, large foundations, and larger corporations. When we last spoke to Laura, she had a 12-person staff and five million dollar annual budget. And while she still suffers pain in her back, yeah, she told me she has a very unusual way of sitting on an airplane that involves curling into the fetal position. And she says her work has provided her more than enough reason to keep on going. No woman should die giving life. We Care Solar is changing that. I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world trying to solve a problem that I believe we can solve in my lifetime. We thank Laura Stashel from We Care Solar for sharing her story. And we thank you for listening. This has been the Story Exchange. Join us next time to hear more stories about innovative and inspirational women doing the things you'd never dream of. Or maybe you would. If you like this podcast, please share on social media or post a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. And visit our website at thestoryexchange.org where you'll find news, videos, and tips for women entrepreneurs. And we'd love to hear from you, especially if you know someone who should be featured on this podcast. Drop us a line at info at thestoryexchange.org or find us on Facebook. Sound editing provided by Christina Kelly. Interview recorded by Jerry Recius. Executive producers are Sue Williams and Victoria Wong.